Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, welcome. It is the Chris Craig Show here on the Highland. Um, hey, well, return guests are always fun. And Christina Smith, our friend. Christina, how's it going today? Hi, good. How are you doing? I'm good. We actually, um, you were on, what, like a month or two ago? And yeah. we had probably the longest conversation ever was ever made about a certain <laughs> pop band from Nickelodeon. Wow. And I, I nixed it. No no conversations. Yeah. We got to get in, You're the one that just do our thing, and get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We just brought it up. Oh, man. I, I can't Now wait. we have to talk about it. Oh, no. No, please no. Please no. No, but we want to talk to you about some of the stuff going on. Now, I want to make sure I have the name completely right. The Rutherford B. Hayes Center, right? Is that the uh, It's actually the Rutherford B. Hayes Presidential Library and Museums. Okay. Plural. Yeah, it's a long right. name. Okay. Okay. I'm. How long did it take you to learn that name? Did it take you a while? Well, no, not really, because right after I started, we changed our name. So it was, you know, yeah. So it wasn't wasn't as difficult. Although it's six years later and people still have trouble with it. So don't feel bad. Yeah, it's a mouthful. Russell for bird. It's a mouthful. Russell for BH, yeah. Feel bad for me as the journalist that when you, when I cover it, I have to try to figure out how to make it so it's not maybe as long winded and, and longer mm-hmm. the full name. And then sometimes I I like to try to get that full reference in, but you know it's it sometimes it takes up a whole sentence to get it all in there. So it is right. quite a, it's a mouthful and it's a a paperful as well. So. Yes, it's a lot to try to put in a headline. It is yes yes. <laughs> <It's a, laughs> I like how Christina's uh, talks about history, and you know we want to have some history stuff as we uh, talk, talk with her today. Um, I saw on your Facebook tons of stuff going on at the museum. Uh, it was a fire making class. I want to ask you about, but first of all, you know we've talked about the man Rutherford. Uh, man, I can't even say it right. Um, <laughs> his weird resemblance to Saints quarterback Drew Brees. You, you never heard back from Drew yet, right? I, mean, I still haven't heard from Drew. Yeah, still okay. haven't heard from him. I'm kind of wondering. He's still like he's now with NBC, so it's not like he retired and is hiding under his bed. He's still out there in the public. Hopefully he didn't retire after all the questions about our former president. You think that might be the case? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. He okay. was like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about Rutherford B. Hayes. I can't take it anymore. All right. All right. <laughs> He's had to have seen the photo compare. He's had to have looked at it. He, can't he has. Well, we, in our little care package to him, we included at least the photo of young, good-looking Hayes. Not that yes. he was bad-looking when he was older, but, you know, usually, like, the women, when they come to the – the home, and you see young Hayes, and then you see older Hayes. They're all like, "Oh, he was really good looking when he was young. He should never have grown the beard." So, 
Well, and we're almost to football season. I, I, he's going to be yeah. involved with Notre Dame broadcasts on NBC. Um, mm-hmm. I read something this week. He's actually going to be with, um, oh, what's it? Oh, the NBC's Sunday night packet for the NFL. So you're going to see Drew. I mean, he's going to be yeah. out there. And everything. I haven't asked you about Lucy yet, his wife. Mm-hmm. What? Anything fun about Lucy? There's- oh, Lucy is so much fun. Okay. Um, so Lucy... Oh boy, we could talk a lot about Lucy. So quick synopsis of Lucy. Um, She is kind of, um, she kind of had some, what you would call traditional women's roles. Um, You know, she, she did sewing and cooking and things like that, but she also was one of the first first ladies to have causes. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, now today first ladies always, they have a project, you know, that they do. Um, like I know with uh, Michelle Obama, it was Let's Move. With Laura Bush, it was um, the uh, Women's Heart Health campaign, stuff like that. So Lucy didn't have something like that, but she had all these causes that she championed. And she okay. was one of the first first ladies to do that. Um, and then personally, in her personal life, she's a lot of fun because she was really an outdoors woman. So her favorite thing to do was go go fishing. So unfortunately, we don't have any pictures of her fishing because I just picture her in this, you know, the big, huge skirt with the bustle and she's up at Gibraltar Island casting a line. Um, But she liked to go fishing. Um, Just a very sweet lady. So she used to go to um, Civil War camps in the winter when Rutherford was uh, in Civil War and she would help tend to the soldiers. Now, she wasn't a nurse, um, but she did what she could. So they loved her. They called her Mother Lucy. So all the Civil War stuff you see in the house, a lot of it is for Lucy. So Civil War was really important for both of them. So I think Lucy's a lot of fun. Uh, in some ways, I can relate to her. In other ways, I can't. Of course, they, um, she and Rutherford were not for women's suffrage. Although if you look at the time period, that was not a popular thing to champion at that time. Um, one of the big things that Lucy is known for um, is her stance on temperance. Um, so a lot of people call her lemonade Lucy and a lot of people believe that that's what she was called during the time period, but that's not actually true. Um, so she and Rutherford kept alcohol out of the white house, um, during his administration. And so she kind of gets, um, I don't know if blamed is the right word, but blamed for that. And, um, years after her death, a newspaper columnist called her lemonade Lucy. So somehow that took off, but she actually, if you were to see her today, like if, you know, she something spectral happened and you said, hi, Lemonade Lucy. She'd probably be like, what? What are you talking about? Um, So she would not have recognized that name. Um, So um, but so they were really big advocates for temperance. It was actually a political decision because at that time that was a big movement in the Republican Party. So they made that decision um, to keep the Republican Party, that wing of the Republican Party happy. Um, but of course they believed in it as well. And it's important to note too. So a lot of people think, oh, she really frowned upon drinking. Lucy herself did not drink, but the big thing was temperance. They were not for prohibition. So, um, so yeah, I made that really long, but, um, Lucy's fun. She really liked, um, flowers. She loved animals. Um, there's a story about when she died, whether or not this is true. I don't know, but the story in the newspaper was this, her casket, went past Beagle Grove to um, the cemetery because she wasn't originally buried at the Grove. Um, All her cows went out to the fence and watched as it went by. Hmm. Um, So very into animals, very much an outdoors woman. Um, She was very into um, specific causes and furthering those causes. So she's a neat lady. I always wonder, and it's not just Lucy, because from what you're telling 
us last time you were on, um, you know, these guys are clean shaven when they're younger, like the, mm -hmm. the men. And for some reason, what was it? Like when they turn 50 or 60, they've got to grow their beards out. to ridiculously long levels, right? <laughs> well, I think actually it was a Civil War thing. Because um, oh, okay. if you look at some of the other, um, well, I guess, I guess I, well, Grant didn't, I don't think Grant had a beard when he was younger. But another example of a Civil War guy would be General James McPherson. When he's okay. younger, he's another one who was clean shaven and then during the war uh, grew a beard. And I think that's true of some of our other bearded presidents, but I'm not 100% on that. So yeah. it seemed like it was a Civil War kind of thing. And they kept the beards. Like it wasn't like they did, the Civil yeah. War. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that was a, you know, this is my mark from the Civil War or, or what. Maybe they just really liked the beard. I don't know. <laughs> beard, you know? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As long as the Civil War goes, you know, the beard's going to keep growing. Yeah. But, you know, like with Lucy, I, I mean, hey, I don't always shave during COVID because I work from home and everything. So if you notice, I got a little bit of scruff going on. It's, right. it's not definitely not the long beard that Rutherford B. Hayes had. But my goodness, I mean, my wife gives me junk about this little scruff I got. <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah, don't we don't, we don't, I, as far as I know, I've never heard her, um, anything about her writing about his beard or anything of that nature. So we don't know what she thought about it, but she must've been okay with it. Or if she wasn't, he was like, well, you're going to have to be okay with it. <laughs> Although based on their relationship, I kind of feel like if she was really like, I can't deal with this, he would have shaved it. So well, that's just my best guess based on reading their letters and diaries and things. And it must have been the thing to do because everyone had the beards. I mean, probably yes. weird if he's like, oh, no, I'm going to be clean shaven. I mean, he's probably the only one that wasn't clean shaven. Right. I don't, it, it'd, that be for, it'd be tough for me. I can't grow the full beard. So if I was transported back to that time, I, would I be outcast maybe from, you know, from everybody there? Would I be the black sheep of not being able to grow a nice, majestic Right. I don't beard? know. Yeah. Yeah. You might have a patchy beard. I don't yeah, I don't know if they would make fun of you or not. I would hope not. I'd have to like go know. to the store and hope I could buy buy like right? a beard. I don't know if they had <laughs> like a beard to pay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean what a bad time to be alive because with those beards, I mean I guess like Lincoln didn't have that bad of a beard during the Civil War. I mean it wasn't flowing, but I mean these beards, I mean nobody has this big shaggy long beard. I mean I wonder if you could shave it a little bit if we had electric shavers or something. Maybe they wouldn't have had to grow their beards out. I, so this whole thing be. bugs me. It, it's <laughs> um, drinking. I thought that was interesting too. You don't hear and correct me, Chris. You seem to be more of a student of history than I am. We don't read that much about how much alcohol the presidents have in the White House. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure each president has now has some, at least. Um, yeah, but that's weird. There was so there was any alcohol in the White House. Period. Not just the fact that yeah, there there is a story about so, and we don't know the truth on this one, but there is a story that people got tired of no alcohol at the state dinners, okay. so they asked uh, one of the chefs to create a life saving station um, oh. and put rum in. I believe it's called Roman Punch. It's basically a party punch drink. Um, okay. So supposedly they would sneak over and there would be rum in the party punch, at least at one of mm. the dinners. But then another version of the story we've heard is that the uh, uh, chef, of course, told the president this because he works for the president. And so he says, put rum flavoring in it. 
So we don't know if it was real or not, but there are references to the life-saving station. So, wow. And they did, I will say there was another time they did have vodka when they had some Russian uh, representatives because it would have been considered very rude not to have that. So there was an exception for that as well because it was a cultural thing. So, but for the most part, Jay, I don't know if they drank lemonade or not, but um, it was oh, beverages yeah. like that. So, so the lemonade Lucy was saying, "Hey, if they're not drinking, you know, beer, what are they drinking?" So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know, Craig. I mean, I don't want to call any of our current presidents drunks or everything, but I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering how other presidents operate. That. I mean, you would think in today's White House, there would be some alcohol there, like you know, Christina said for a state dinner or something. That's intriguing. I mean, it's out there, I guess, but I never thought about that. I, so. I think I'd probably fit right in. I haven't had uh, any, any alcoholic beverage in like five and a half years. So um, I probably would be okay with it. I mean, I'm m most people probably wouldn't. I wonder though, like, um, I don't know if the, the time period, you know, if this was available yet, but I wonder if that meant they couldn't make like dishes like bananas fosters or something like that, where you would require, alcohol to reduce sausage, oh, yeah. alcohol to reduce or to make something. I'm kind of curious if, if that meant like no cooking alcohol, no nothing. I like think that. they use cooking alcohol because okay. Lucy does reference, she asked Rutherford in a letter, I forget where they were at that time, if it was in D.C. or Cincinnati, but when he was coming to Spiegel Grove, she asked him to get some Catawba wine for one of the family members who was sick. So they used it for medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. So I would think they used it for cooking too. I don't know if they made bananas foster though. That would be interesting to know. They ate some interesting things. So, but I don't know about that. Okay. What's it gonna be like for historians 80 years from now, if it's Trump, Biden, Obama, Bush, whatever. Man, if you're looking at letters, I mean, you probably get that many letters now. I'm wondering, yeah. Are there texts going to be available, tweets or something? Like, I don't know. Don't they still, Why? Do, the letter? Don't they still do the, the, the letter passing on the torch of the presidency? Oh, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think, I don't, I didn't, didn't Obama write one for Trump? I think they yes. do do that. Yeah, I, I'll true. be honest, I don't remember yeah. if Trump did one for Biden or I not. I think there was like an issue that he wasn't going to, but then I think. Yeah, he reports, actually did. Reports were there. That he did. Okay. So, yeah, I think that's a thing. And I know Library of Congress was archiving all of his tweets um, since oh. he did a lot yeah. of tweets. They're going to need a lot of storage. Yes, yes. exactly. Yes, I don't know if it's differently how they're doing it. But, yeah, it's much different than, I mean, we have, and the Hayes has saved everything. So we have more than a lot of, well, I don't know if I should say more than a lot of other places. But we have a lot of stuff that maybe other places don't. So we have, like, receipts from Grun Drugstore in downtown oh. Fremont when he bought medicine and just oh, all man. this stuff. And so I don't know, because people don't save them. I mean, I don't save my receipts except for, right. you know, if you need them for your taxes or something. Cool. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, like you said, 80 years from now, what people are looking at as far as, as the history and, and all that. I think they'll be looking at least with the last administration with the tweets. And I think Obama started that Twitter account, so mm -hmm. probably last two administrations. So, well, yeah, I'm thinking too. Like, like, were they supposed to keep their letters? I mean, is it possible that maybe there's a letter between Lucy and Rutherford Hayes that just maybe didn't get thrown away? But I mean, 
Do you think all the letters they wrote between each other have been saved? or? Uh, I don't think all of them have. Um, and letters to other people, uh, what's interesting is, of course, since those were mailed out, we don't necessarily have those, but we have lots of incoming correspondence. Mm. Um, but a lot of it is from when he was president. So we do have um, most of their Civil War letters, but I'm sure there are letters here and there that they didn't save. And Hayes, too, was was a pack rat, like an organized pack rat. But I don't know, you know, with other presidential couple. Like, I, I think Martha Washington burned all of her and George Washington's letters because she didn't really? want anybody to read them. So okay. it kind of it depends. You know, some people save everything. Some people don't. Okay. Well, I wonder in the future, too, like our tweets. I, I mean, well, tweets are out there, but maybe like text and everything. I mean, you know, yeah, they don't, don't have know to be that. saved, right? You know, that could be a yeah. positive message. Yeah. This is yeah. good. You're making me think about a lot of this stuff. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm kind of like Martha Watchstand. I don't think I've written anything too embarrassing, but I don't want, you know, I don't want Christina if she's being named historian of my life after I die, you know, <laughs> going for my emails or letters. That'd be kind of embarrassing. So, yeah. I feel bad for it. I don't think I'm famous enough to have a historian coming after me, but. I feel bad about that. You know, they'll have to listen to all these podcasts and everything. <laughs> Man, what a horrible job that would be. So, uh, anything scandalous or embarrassing about Lucy that came out? I mean, she seemed to be a pretty straightforward. You know, yeah, drink alcohol. Um, but she seemed like a pretty good girl, right? Yeah, um, they they are actually pretty uh, pretty much scandal free. Um, right. They had they were married for. 36 years um there's like no mistress or anything so really yeah um the only kind of quote-unquote scandal at the time was um she was kind of the poster girl for all these temperance groups which were mostly mm. led by women um because at that time um you know it was more men drinking than women. And so they were trying to really push this temperance movement. And back then you have to remember too, I wish I could remember the stat. It was in an exhibit we had a couple years ago, but they drank a lot more than we do today. Like a lot more okay. water was contaminated. So it was not uncommon to have whiskey with breakfast. Okay. Um, so they would start early and they would drink a lot. So the drinking, drinking back then was a lot more than it is today. Uh, so anyway, they were, there was a group that was very upset with Lucy and I think they took, they had named their group after her. Or they removed her name from something because during the Hayes administration, she was on a boat on the Potomac river and all these people around her were drinking. And of course she was not, but the temperance union was upset with her because she didn't scold all the people drinking. And what she told them was, well, you know, that's, that's their decision. I'm not going to impose my feelings on them. Um, so that was the only time, you know, that maybe as far as I know that people were irritated with her, but I don't, I don't think that was a bad thing. I kind of, that kind of makes Lucy even more endearing that, that Such she, a rebel. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Letting you young in their lives. How old were these guys when they were president? Uh, um, like, let's see. So he, she was born in 1831, and they went okay. to the White House in 1876. Oh. So almost 50. And then he was okay. born in 1822, so he was in his 50s. Oh, wow. So, yeah. A little bit of age difference, probably. Yeah, he's eight and a half years older than her. Okay. Yeah. Well, I... Trump was older than his wife, so I guess that wasn't as scandalous. Or, yes, it's not or, unusual. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So, 
How was the flower making? So you got to make arts and crafts. Was that fun? Yeah, yeah. So we, every year for Lucy's birthday, and that is an event that I get to head up, which is fun. We do um, a celebration um, on the Saturday closest to her birthday. This year it actually fell on her birthday. And so we've done some different things. This year we did some new things and we had some kids activities. Um, so we did some flower making, uh, paper flowers. We did origami butterflies, which was kind of a challenge, but we figured it out. Um, we had a coloring page, one of our house guides made in Adobe Illustrator, which is pretty oh, wow. awesome. I told her she has to teach me how to do that. Yes, um, yeah. we had a scavenger hunt on the grounds. Uh, of course we always have treats. And then we had special Lucy themed tours. Um, and then on Sunday we had a flower arranging class with a florist and that I was really excited about. I've been wanting to do that for a few years because Lucy did a lot of her own flower arranging. So I uh, like for state dinners, for friends, whether it was in D.C. or here at Spiegel Grove. And um, so that was something she enjoyed. So I thought it would be fun. And plus, people love make it, take it kind of things. Yeah. So that went really well. We had um, Mary from Mary's Blossom Shop in Port Clinton. And she's awesome. She's like the sweetest person. So it went really, really well. Well, it's got to be a so. cool way of commemorating memory because if she was all into arts and crafts, I mean, I don't know if you can look down or wherever, like, you know, she's at and see what's happening now, but it's got to give her a good feeling if she can see what's happening now saying, wow. Yeah. You know, hundred yeah. years after I died, they're still doing this stuff. Right. She, yeah. she probably doesn't recognize a little bit of what, what you guys are doing now because it's different, but it's got to be kind of fun, right? Yeah. I think it's interesting because during the class, Mary was like, well, Lucy wouldn't have done this with her flowers, but this is how we do things today because it's much easier. But we do have records of the kind of flowers that she had. So Mary actually brought some flowers that Lucy would have used in her arrangements, which was pretty cool. Oh, really cool. So, That's good. Yeah. All right. And then I, I want to ask about this. Um, I'm always jealous. I haven't been on TV that much. You were on WTOL talking about uh, beers and oh. cocktails, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, what's it like being on TV? I mean, I know you were a newspaper writer before you got in this business. Is it different doing yes. the TV thing? It's very, it's very different. Um, uh, yeah. So as you know, you know, being a newspaper reporter, um, you know, that's more, that's more what we're used to. Um right. And so being on TV, one of the things, especially with live TV, I, I feel like doing these things has given me really a real appreciation for what TV people do. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, especially with the live feed, you know, they wear um, something in their ear, a microphone, and they'll have somebody talking to them, but they're still trying to listen to me. And, you know, that person might say, okay, wrap it up. We got to go to commercial. And they have to manage all of that. Um, so I find that really impressive. That's something I never considered when I was a newspaper reporter, you know, um, and then the ones who come out and do, um, you know, the recorded where they come out and do a recorded segment, which is a little bit easier because if you stumble on your words, you can start over. Can't do yeah. that on live TV. Um, <laughs> right. You know, a lot of times it's just a, a one person show and they come out and they do the camera work. And I'm impressed with all the different things that they that they can do. So it, it is it is different in some ways. It's different in some ways. It's not because like Craig, is, as you know, we did a lot of video, uh, at least toward the end of my time at the paper. Um, so, but they've had to multitask and, oh, you know, they've had cuts right. just like everybody else. So yeah. I would say live TV is interesting. I don't, I don't get nervous for live TV except for like, right. 
you know, like you're, you're waiting and they're like, okay, 30 seconds. And you're sitting there. And then when they go live, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm on live TV. <laughs> so that's the only time I really get nervous. Knock on wood, I've been better about that lately where I'm not nervous at all, but. We do some of our podcasts live and as a host, you just, you're thinking about way too much stuff when you're doing it live. I mean, if, if you need to, and you should, yeah, we'll go live, but. I, I find myself thinking about too much of stuff. And I feel like I'm not thinking about the interview or the conversation I'm having. It just, do you ever get that way? Like, like it's got me when it's being recorded like it's tonight, right? Yeah. I definitely think it's a lot easier to record. Um, because too, like if you're talking about something, you know, usually um, if, if one of the TV reporters comes out and it's pre-recorded and then they say anything else or, Oh, I forgot to say this they can plug it in real quick and do it. But live TV, sometimes afterwards, you're like, oh, I forgot to say this and I forgot to say that. And what if this sounded stupid? Um, and that's just me as an interviewee. So I imagine hosting like you do with a live podcast, you're thinking about, okay, what's the ne next topic? Yeah. You're trying to listen to what the person is saying. So I really have a new respect for um, what TV reporters and, and TV staff do. Well, especially for based on social media form, you're looking at comments, Sometimes you want to put comments on or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It can be hard. Yeah. Now, I got to ask you a hard question. I won't put you on the spot. We, <laughs> we were talking about Lucy didn't like the alcohol and everything, but you, you're having a craft beers and cocktails yes. event. Yes. <laughs> What's going on with that? Yeah. So um, this is a common question we get. Um, we also do Christmas dinners in the Hayes mm -hmm. home every Christmas. And every year, I can't remember if it's the same person but it might be the same person. I answer the same question every year or it might be different people. But every year we get complaints on social media that we're serving alcohol in Lucy's dining room and, and that this is terrible. And what you have to understand um, with that is with dining room, Lucy died before it was finished. That's part of the 1889 edition. Um, and so this this is a different this is a different kind of event. So it really even though Rutherford was building it for Lucy, it wasn't her dining room. She didn't really use it. So then craft beers and cocktails. We did get a comment this year because it's the same day as Lucy's birthday celebration, but it's not part of her birthday, obviously. Um, and, you know, things things change. I mean, you know, like I said, Rutherford and Lucy weren't for women's suffrage. And obviously we are. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, things change. Um it's a different way to get people to enjoy Spiegel Grove. Um, it's not necessarily related to Rutherford and Lucy because they, you know, Rutherford did drink sometimes again in moderation. That was what they, what they preached. Um, but um, it's, it's just a different way to get people interested in the site and excited about the site. It is, the timing's a little unusual, but we look at other craft beer events happening in the region. So that's for us, that's the best weekend to do it. So we just kind of keep it separate from Lucy's birthday. So I don't know if they'd be happy about it or not, but I will say since again, they weren't for prohibition, they were for temperance since it's people just enjoying and having samples and things. And we don't have anybody walking around acting crazy. They'd probably, you know, I would like to think they'd be okay with it and so everyone just pretends they're russians you know because you know the russians <laughs> right it's all good i mean and they got the alcohol so why yes yeah. they got the alcohol. <laughs> craig what would you think so. if like christine went all in and if like since the Hayes were against suffrage if like christine had to make like speeches against women's suffrage around <laughs> oh my time, gosh you know? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, women should not have the right to vote. You know, that would be crazy. Think that times have changed. And of course, yes. I covered the exhibit that you guys had on, on women's suffrage and, you know, in that movement. 
Um, so thankfully, I would imagine that, you know, and we've talked about this before with the, especially Rutherford being a very understanding human being and a, a very intelligent person. I would imagine that if he were living today, he would change with the times and would be yeah. a champion for, for what everybody's right to vote. So I, I, I don't think it would be a, a big problem, but yeah, that would be strange if, uh, you know, the, the board decided one day that you guys had to, you know, <laughs> go back to, um, you know, the 1800s and live a certain way or, or, you know, have, you know, different things there, but, uh, you we know. dress in costume every day. Right. Oh, that might be, that yeah. would get old. I would say that would be fun, but yeah. like one, one day maybe, but, but yeah, the thing too, <laughs> Grow that beard long. Always. No tweeting. Everybody no has that beard, essentially. I mean, you know. Well, that right, might be Rutherford. a good thing. Maybe I'll give me a uh, come aboard then. So. But you got to remember, too, our former curator of manuscripts always used to tell me, um, you have to think about the time period. And so this mm. idea that the women's, the women's place was in the home was very Victorian. So as you said, Craig, I mean, you know, he may have changed his mind if he were, if he were still living today. So... Um, so, and sort of, you know, things do change and we're trying to get new audiences interested in Spiegel Grove. And so this is, this is a way to do that. So I'm still thinking that, you know, Hayes is still alive. He changed his name to Drew Brees. So, you know, <laughs> we got, we have you to ask Drew. Like, New Orleans Saints training camp and like, I'm here to, <laughs> yes. I'm here to Coach Payton. Let's go. Russell B. Hayes will be on NBC's. Uh, they could do it. Like, it, it would be the perfect like swap, like profession swap. You know, you, you used to have the wife swap show. What if you had like a profession swap where Drew Brees would have to be the president? Oh, wouldn't that be fun? That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> or, you know, Netflix is developing a show with the Saints head coach. Um, he had, got suspended over uh, the, uh, a, what was it? A. The Bounty Gate. Yeah, Bounty Gate. And yeah. they're developing a show where they're making up a world where he coaches Little League football for a year. You know? and, <laughs> well, let's get a better Saints Netflix show. And if Drew Brees was a really good sport, I'm just going to say it, Drew, you're not because you're not responding to poor little Christina here. <laughs> Why can't we have a show where Rutherford behaves never dies and Drew Brees could play Old Rutherford, you know, or maybe they could be like a Freaky Friday, like body swap, like yeah. or, you know, soul swap or whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, Drew's not good. Sport. That'd be kind of fun. Well, yeah. we haven't reached out to him in a few years, so maybe now that he's retired and he's you know doing broadcasts, maybe we'll try it again. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Yeah, just do a promo for NBC football. It'll be all right. Well. Notre Dame plays Ohio State in a couple of years, so really, oh, I think they do. Yeah, I think they've got a home and home scheduled, so. That means he's going to have to come into the Buckeye State. Why yeah, not the, the trip up to Fremont. You know, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I think there's some. We might have to invite him. Yeah. You could carpool with Big Nut or something, you know. And oh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. It's a big nut. I don't know. As a pretty boiler maker, though, he might get a little sick of Big Nut. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know. We got to reach back out to Big Nut. I haven't heard much from Big Nut so far. Well, he's in uh, Minnesota right now, Chris. Okay. He's getting prepared for the uh, game tomorrow. Night. Oh, okay. I was like, why is he in Minnesota? I forgot. Yeah, you know, game's tomorrow night. season wow. for Big Nut. Time yes. for vacation and college football. <laughs> I've written too many Ohio State stories, Craig. I was writing about Arch Leister, and then uh, there was a little kerfuffle on the Madden fans. You could play college football teams oh, yeah, yeah. for a couple of weeks, and Ohio State was on the game. So I was okay. covering that for a dispatch. 
I only cover the important stuff, Christina. These <laughs> mag video games. Uh, it could be important. Yeah, it could be important. That's important to a lot of people. Yeah, as I'm looking at my man game right now, I, I'm, I don't know. A lot of holes in my life that I got filled with Madden, I guess. So, um, yeah, I, I guess you guys real quick, too. Um, yeah, so you went to Toledo Mudheads games? How many did you go to? Yeah. Um, so usually I only make it to one or two. Um, but so my parents like to go at least once a year. So I went with them and then one of my friends and I usually go once a year. So we went back in June and in July, he's like, or in June, he's like, let's go again in July. Well, I have no idea what happened to July. Um, so we got tickets for August. So this is the most I've been to in a while, but usually one or two. So I guess, um, a few years ago, I went to maybe three or four when they made the playoffs toward the end of the season or the minor league version of the playoffs. That was kind of fun. They lost out to the Durham Bulls, but I know one of the games went into like 12 innings or something. It's pretty fun. So. Do they put messages on the scoreboard there? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, like can you text them messages upon the scoreboard? Yeah, I th- now I don't know if you can text it, um, but okay. you can you can because I know like so my church goes every year. Although we didn't this really? year, I assume because of COVID. But whoever organized it would always have they welcome all the groups, and we would be on there. You can have your birthday on there, but I don't know if you have to arrange that beforehand or not. I don't know if it's like you know like other sports venues, you just tweet something with a hashtag and you might show up on the jumbotron. I don't think they do that, but. You probably didn't see it, but I wrote a few weeks back about the Akron Rubber Ducks. They had a promotion you know, for five bucks to get a message on the screen. And some oh. guy said, hey, um, and I can't remember the girl's name now, but he said, hey, it's over. This relationship's oh my over. God, I did see that. Yes. yes. I didn't realize that was the Akron. Isn't that horrible? Who does yes. that? Well, Hopefully it, you're not but, friends with them or something. Oh, no, no, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I, I wrote a story for the Beacon and uh, heard, heard some behind the scenes stuff. We'll have to talk to you off air about it. Then. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, because of behind the scenes stuff, we said we're going to stay far away from the story. So we'll have to tell you after the podcast. All it's right. Kind of crazy. All so, okay, very good. Well, let's close up. I mean, hey, I, we always like talking about rougher behaves, but we got to talk about some news in the pop culture land for a sure. minute or two. Um, Jeopardy kind of crazy lately um uh, the guy from medina is the current champion he's won 19 in a row um they're on a break they're coming back on september 13th of new season i'm i'm covering him so support local journalism follow him as he goes for um the record the record's what 70 or 80 so he's got to win like for the next couple years to make it but it's been kind of fun but you know, we're without a host again. They named Mike Richards, who was the executive producer, as host. And it came out that um, Richards on a podcast. So, Craig, be careful. Stop <laughs> saying icky things about women. But, you know, Richards made some controversial statements about women. They came out. And, obviously, you know, Richards can't say on Jeopardy because of that. And then Malam, is it Balik, the girl from? Mayim Bialik. Mayim Bialik. Uh, see, I couldn't remember how to to say her name, but I'm showing my age here. Blossom. Yeah. Blossom. Yeah. Yeah. And, she was and then she was on Big Bang Theory. Bang yeah. Theory. Love that show. Yeah. She, I guess, she had some different theories on science. She's a scientist. Right. She is but, a scientist. Yeah. yeah. But she has some theory on science. I guess isn't 
good for people or people don't like. I don't think it's about COVID. And people are like, oh, she should quit because of that too. Oh, I Who's missed that. Be a I Jeopardy know. host. Yeah, I did not. I did not initially see that. One. It's going to be Craig. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be your next well, gig. Yeah. Well, I think there's a Milton group out there that wants Lavar Burton to be the host. You know, right. the old yeah, Green Rainbow yeah. guy. He and, was never even considered for. Yeah, the a lot of people would like to see him. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it amazing that they go how many decades without having any controversy at all? And then right? within the last five, six months, it's nothing but controversy. Like you never hear about Jeopardy at all, ever. Which, right. I mean, that's a good thing. Sometimes no news is good news. And then all of a sudden it's like now they're blowing up every day. And it's like they can't get anything right. Yeah, and you would think it's most of it's good publicity. I mean, having people argue about who should be the Jeopardy host is great, but now that you know you can't say icky things about women. That's bad. And yeah, it, it's tough times right now for Jeopardy. I, I mean, they almost need, need to get uh, Matt Amodio to keep winning. He, he's our guy from Jeopardy. And it's funny because I've actually reached out to Jeopardy. I, I, I got some press contacts out there and they were reluctant to release information. They, they would send me like a press release where I would know the results a couple of hours early. So I could write a story that we could release right when the show's over. They stopped doing that as much. I've reached out to talk to Matt, uh, the champ you here on the podcast or for the Beacon. I haven't heard b- back from him. And I think they're afraid that we're going to be asking questions about the host situation or um, Mike Richards or something. I, I mean, yeah, they, they probably don't want to do anything right now with the press. So. Yeah, I, I just want to talk to my guy, Matt Amodio, and see if I can get a loan from him. I mean, he's won <laughs> I think, over 300000 already, so... It's been nuts. So, yeah, but hey, good for Jeopardy. Um, you know, I made an unfortunate remark on a podcast saying if you're watching Jeopardy, Will Fortune every night, you're pretty close to the casket, and which wasn't polite. I, I, I regret those comments. But... I still watch Jeopardy. I've told you this before. I don't watch Wheel of Fortune all that much. Okay. But I still watch Jeopardy. I, I try to check it out, you know, a little bit. Well, you, if you start watching Wheel of Fortune at the same time, Craig, it's 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 over. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't really mind Wheel of Fortune. I just don't really care to watch it so much. I like you, Craig, but if you die soon, don't ask me to be your pallbearer. I've had to do that <laughs> too much. And it, it's, well, if, I, if I'm dead, then I can't ask you. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Well, talk me down to like your family. I mean, don't hate me, but okay, yeah. You know, <laughs> don't be them, like, oh, them know I'm like a server, you know. <laughs> this is tough. You're carrying around a dead body, and, right. the, and no matter the size of the body, you're afraid. What happens if you drop it? Like, I'm always terrified that you're going to drop the casket. The body's going to roll out. And it's going to be the worst thing ever. Right, so, I'll let my wife know that Chris is on the the do not call list. Yeah. Do not, <laughs> uh, Hey, we've gotten to know each other pretty well in the past couple years, Craig. I'm probably on the I will come and attend the funeral. That, I, I appreciate that. But I will know that you came, though. Yes. Yeah. Well, unless you can kind of look down. I, I, I don't know right, how that works. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But how depressing that would be if you're in heaven and you're looking out at your own funeral? I mean, and then I say, oh, Chris came. Ooh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're forcing Chris to carry the, the, carry the casket, yeah. and the casket falls over, and now. The body of Craig is laying on the dirt Out in you know, the middle tough. of the street or something. Yeah. Yes, that'd be tough. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. Do, do you ever have that fear, Christina? Usually, they ask guys to do that, but yeah, I don't, are you I've afraid never, that someone's going to get dropped? 
I, you know, I've never really thought about it. I've never, I've never been asked to be a pallbearer, so I, I haven't, haven't really thought about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad we could close the show on this uplifting. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I just recorded a Fraser podcast where the next episode we're talking about is all about death and Fraser worrying about death. And now we're closing this podcast with death. But Craig, we gotta get a funeral director on. You probably have some contacts in Fremont, right? For who? Funeral directors. I, I want to yeah, talk to somebody. Yeah. Crazy funeral you want stories. Me to plan my own funeral? Is that what no, you're no. <laughs> we just want somebody to come on. We could talk to them about did somebody ever drop a casket? Or... Okay, well, yeah. There's all kinds of wild call, stories we can ask. Call, uh, yeah. yeah, I could call Julie Chazinski, I guess. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. What I'm uplifting sure, podcast? I'm sure she'd love to come on and talk about some horror stories and what's all the bad stuff that's ever happened at a service. Yes, it'll, it'll be, be great. That'd be fun. All right. Well, hey, let's. We got to close up here. Um, Christina, how can we connect with you if we haven't already in, in the museum? Okay, so you can find us at rbhays.org. Um, you can email me at ksmith at rbhays.org, and you can call us at 800-998-7737. And, of course, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at rbhayspress. And I'm sorry, my dogs are barking. And that's and other than <laughs> quieting, yeah, other than quieting your dog, what's going to be your next what's next for you? What are you working on? Or Oh my goodness. We have so much going on. Um, yeah, I can't believe it. Today's uh, September. So uh, yeah. we're working on civil war camp in October. Um, the American president's film and literary festival. Craig's going to be one of the film judges again, which is awesome. Thank you. Um, that's in uh, September and October. Um, okay. And then we have spirit stories, which is our ghost story walk uh, at the end of October. And then we move into Christmas. So, Lots to plan. Lots going on. Well, fantastic. So. And as always, Christina, thank you for coming on. We'd love to have you back. We, we want that history podcast with the center. <laughs> right. Yeah, We're, we got to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It should be great. All right. Well, hey, uh, Craig, as always, thank you for coming on. We need to uh, get going. So we're in busy record mode tonight. So I'm, I'm going to three of five tonight, Christina. So. Oh I can't, wow! Can't wait to hear number five. Number five might be a little. Is punchy, number five but... the Steelers podcast? Is that the one? No, um, no, it's oh. it's our Excedra podcast, which could get really wild. So okay, we'll all have right. to see what happens. So, all right. Well, for Christina, for Craig, and me, uh, thanks for checking out the Ohio win. Oh, forgot to mention our sponsors. Check out Chase Bank and check out Ashley Home Store. Information's on the website. Sign up. It'll help you out and it'll help us too. Have a great night, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.